On the 503rd anniversary of the Reformation, we're going to take a break from our normal sermon series and look at the two verses that changed the world. It was the two verses found in Romans chapter 1, particularly verses 16 and 17, that turned this world upside down and led to the movement that we are still feeling the effects from today. It was Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 that that Augustinian monk Martin Luther began to read and to wrestle through and as he read these two verses he rediscovered for the church the gospel that had been lost. God used this passage, Romans 1 verses 16 and 17, to convert Luther, a man who at one time hated the idea of the righteousness of God because he understood that his righteousness paled in comparison, that he could never have a righteousness that matched the righteousness of God. But it was then in this this passage that he saw these two words, by faith. And Luther says, I broke through. He broke from the darkness and into the light. And Luther's life was turned upside down, the church was turned upside down, and the world was turned upside down as well through the Reformation. Let's read together Romans chapter one, verses 16 and 17 together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, quoting Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith. And on this Reformation Sunday, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. On August 21st, 2017, millions of Americans witnessed a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience, the solar eclipse. Children got out of school, people took off work, everybody had fancy glasses as they attempted to look up to the sky to witness what so many people have not had the privilege of witnessing. As the world in that region, the light, went dark. Well, 500 years ago, the light of the gospel went dark throughout the world. 500 years ago, the church was no longer preaching and proclaiming the good news that man could be saved by faith alone. An eclipse of the gospel, darkness of the light of Jesus Christ overwhelmed the church. If it wasn't for the brave men and women of the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago, who then brought forth the light of the gospel into a church and into a world that had been eclipsed through the truth of Jesus Christ. The Protestant Reformation 500 years ago was nothing less than a rediscovery and a resurgence of the true gospel, the good news that we are made right with God by grace alone, through faith alone, on the basis of scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. A rediscovery of the gospel of grace, a rediscovery of this truth. And it all came 
through Martin Luther being used by God, rediscovering the gospel as he read Romans chapter 1, those two verses in particular that we just read. And so what were the three things that Luther discovered in these verses that changed his life and started a movement that turned this world upside down? The first thing that Luther discovered was a new confidence, a new confidence found by way of verse 16. He reads, the Apostle Paul writes in the first half of verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. As Luther was posting 95 theses, 95 objections concerning what the church at the time was teaching, he boldly nails that 95 theses and the news of his objections go viral. They go viral all throughout Germany, throughout Europe, and ultimately throughout the world. And he didn't back down. Luther didn't back down because he had a new confidence. He said, I am not ashamed of this gospel. Well, several years later, after he posted the 95 Theses, he was brought on trial by both the church and the state. And Charles V, the Holy Roman Emperor brings him before the tribunal and asks him to recant, to recant all of his teachings that the gospel is only received by grace through faith alone, according to the word of God alone. And this is what Luther said with great confidence. He said, I am convinced by scripture and plain reason I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they had contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Many believe that this was the birth of religious liberty, to stand up against not only the established church at the time, but against the state and say, I will not recant. It is not safe. It is not right. But my conscience is bound by the word of God. What gave Luther such confidence? Luther read the word of God and he said, God has spoken and it is true. Case closed. Now, Luther had heard all the stories. Luther had heard of all the stories of the martyrs that went before him the men that did try to stand up for what is right, and they were burned at the stake. But for Luther, it didn't matter because he had a new confidence discovered in the gospel that he was able to say, I am not ashamed because my God has spoken and his word is true. And when my God speaks, I listen and I obey. Oh, do we need men and women today? that live by this truth, that are not swayed by popular opinion, that are not swayed no matter what the cost, no matter how great the temptation, to be able to say, I don't care what you say, my God has spoken and his word and it is true and it is absolute. So against popular opinion, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the temptation, we are men and women called to live under the authority of God and like Paul and like Luther to say, I have a confidence and I am not ashamed of this gospel. It was 500 years ago that Luther discovered a new confidence 
And I pray that we would be men and women that daily discover where our confidence lies in the word of God alone. But the second thing he discovered was not only a new confidence, but a new power. Verse 16 goes on to say, for this gospel, it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. That word power there in verse 16, underline it, circle it. The word in the Greek is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from. Paul is saying this gospel that has been entrusted to you, it is so powerful. It is the dynamite of God, the power to transform sinners into saints, rebels into children of God. 120 times this word power is used in the New Testament to remind people like you and me who fall prey to believing that this world has a power that this world has the power to change and transform. Paul wants to remind us, no, it is in the gospel and the gospel alone that we find the power that we desire. Luther himself said, my good works could never have the power to appease God. That's why Romans chapter one was a passage that he hated. Romans chapter one haunted Luther, because he said, I never would have enough righteousness. I would never have the power to appease the judge, to justify my existence. Luther went on to say, if a monk could ever get into heaven by his monkery, it was I. If a monk could ever get into heaven by his monkery, it was I. Listen to me. Like Luther, we all desire a power a power to change ourselves, a power to change our spouse, our kids, our friends. And Paul says there is only one power and it is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul would have been a modern day terrorist. The only ex explanation for a man that was at one point killing and persecuting Christians and now he's setting the kingdom of God ablaze with the gospel of Jesus Christ on fire for the gospel. The only explanation for the testimony of Paul is the power of the gospel. It is the power that you and I long for. It's the power that we crave. A new power discovered in the Reformation. A power rediscovered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the dynamite of God which has been entrusted to you and been entrusted to me. Luther discovered a new confidence. He discovered a new power. And thirdly, he discovered a new righteousness. Verse 17, for in it, in this gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The reason this passage haunted Luther, the reason he hated it, is because he knew that he would never be able to match the righteousness of God. He looked at the righteousness of God and he looked at his righteousness and he understood that he needed a righteousness to measure up to God. He needed a righteousness to be justified. He needed a righteousness in order to be made right with God and he knew that he could never produce it until he read those words by faith. You would see it's in verse 17 that he rediscovered for himself and for the church where the righteousness comes from, 
to be justified and to be made right with God. It is not produced from within, but it is on the basis of Jesus Christ received by faith. Do you understand how important this is? Because whether you realize it or not, you and I suffer from the exhaustion of every day trying to manufacture and acquire a righteousness on our own. You don't believe me? Just look at your social media post. Think about your conversations this week. Think about everything you and I do throughout the course of any given day in order to gain approval, in order to justify our existence. I bet you even before you leave this morning, you will have a conversation in the parking lot in order to justify your existence, in order to win somebody's approval. We are all suffering from the temptation of winning our children's approval and our parents' approval, our spouse's approval, and our friend's approval. We suffer the great temptation of trying to win everyone's approval in order to justify our lives and justify our existence. And Luther discovers what every single one of us needs to discover, that in order to justify our existence and in order to gain the approval that you and I long for, it can never be manufactured from within. We need a righteousness that is only acquired from Jesus Christ. Look what Paul goes on to say in Philippians chapter three concerning his righteousness. In Philippians chapter three, verse eight, Paul says, indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ to be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith alone. Listen to me in Philippians chapter three and in Romans chapter one, this is the distinctive of Christianity because all other religions and all other worldviews say that you must produce a righteousness on your own. And at the end of your life, you produce that righteousness and you offer it up to God and you hope that it measures up. How good enough do you have to be? It's up to you. It's subjective. Just hope that you're good enough and right enough and that God the judge will be appeased. That's what every religion and every worldview teaches, except for Christianity. Christianity says you never can do it. You're not good enough and you can't work enough in order to appease your God. But you need a righteousness. Paul calls it an alien righteousness that is not produced on your own, but produced from the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, you will not stand before God one day with a blank slate. No, instead, you will stand before God and your slate will be full if you are in Christ with the finished work of Jesus Christ and his righteousness so that when God looks upon his children by faith, he sees the very righteousness of his son. Double imputation. Jesus takes our sin and our unrighteousness and by faith in return, we receive the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. Do you understand the power of the message of the good news of the gospel? I think unfortunately, sometimes we forget 
You know, I'm talking to a lot of you in the church right now about what's going on in your life. Maybe what's going on in your family or going on in your work. This has not been an easy season for anyone, but this would never be the time to give up or abandon hope in the gospel, the dynamite of God. Yes, it is hard to watch our spouse or maybe our children floundering. Surrendering to Jesus is both dangerous, but it's, most, but it's also glorious. And sometimes the spirit of the living God needs to wrestle our spouse and wrestle our children down to the ground and the hard work of the law needs to crush them so that the gospel can ultimately do their work. But do not give up. Do not give up on your spouse. Do not give up on your children. Do not give up on the only power to save and transform the very power of God unto unto salvation, the one thing this world needs, the one thing this world longs for. It's the message of the gospel that changed a man, that changed the church and changed the world and even has the power to change you this morning. Listen, you might be here this morning or might be watching online and you have attempted your entire life in order to achieve a righteousness of your own and on your own, manufacturing a confidence and a power that is impossible to fully attain. And my encouragement to you is that you would not dismiss the words of the apostle this morning, Paul, because you might be here saying, but you don't understand Christianity is not for me. I'm not good enough and I can't do enough. And my only answer to you is you're absolutely right. You are not good enough, and you can't do enough, and you will die in exhaustion trying to acquire a righteousness of your own. You see, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Surrender today. Trust in Jesus Christ, your only hope the hope of the good news this morning is that you can leave here today saying, I too am not ashamed of the gospel because God in Jesus Christ was never ashamed of me. Listen to me. Our world is desperate for this message. There are men and women, boys and girls, teenagers that are daily being crushed under the pressure of trying to live up and measure up trying to hear the words of maybe a mother or a father or a spouse or a friend and living in exhaustion, trying to hear those words, maybe that they are loved, that they are approved, that they are justified. And we have the answer. We have the only hope, the only hope for this world because it's the only hope for every human heart. This is what the world needs men and women who go out from this place with the good news of the gospel and answer the longing of every human heart. Do not forget, church, that you have the answer for every human heart, that you have the answer for the longings of this world. It was back in 1974 that right at this pulpit stood Dr. Billy Graham and for the dedication of this new building, he called out to the congregation in 1974 to not forget the gospel, the gospel that changed the world, 
and the gospel that was changing this community through this congregation, I'd like to direct your attention to the screens to hear a brief word regarding that dedication. And I hope that this congregation will not forget that it was born just a few years ago, 45 or 50 people, as your minister has it reminded you. People who love the Lord, who believed in prayer and believed in evangelism, and you went out and you've done something that has become a 20th century phenomena in the kingdom of God. And the example of this church is being followed by churches all over the world and your responsibility is so much greater than the average congregation. I was in a church in England just a few weeks ago and the minister of this church had come here to study and he had been transformed and his congregation is transformed because of what he found at Carl Ridge Presbyterian. Amen. I love that line. This church has become a phenomenon in the kingdom of God, not because of our intellect or our power or our strength, because they believed in evangelism and the power of the gospel. Listen to me, a fire was lit 2,000 years ago. The embers were blown on and the fire came about once again 500 years ago. And today, we have the privilege to take this good news, to stand with men and women that have gone before us and boldly declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only of power unto salvation for a lost and dying world, this gospel that's been entrusted to you, what will you do with it? I pray that you will only have one response, that you will say, here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen.